country music. The late 80s, the early 90s. That was my favorite time. I love the Outlaws. I like some of today's music that's on the radio, but that time, boy, you had Mark Chestnut and you had Dwight Yoakam. You had Tracy Bird. You had Travis Tritt. You had Garth Brooks coming out. You had A.J. Allen Jackson, and you had this man. Today's guest on This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, Tracy Lawrence. Are you kidding me? He's on the podcast. Alibis. Do you know the song Alibis? I'm, I'm, t- I'm sitting here like getting goosebumps thinking about how awesome that song was. Or Better Man, Better Off. This guy sang If the World Had a Front Porch. I mean, he's it, you just go and Google Tracy Lawrence's catalog and look at all of the hits that he wrote, that he sang, that he put on country radio. The man is an absolute legend. He's still doing a ton for Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And he's a huge inspiration and influence to many of the up and coming artists today. He's always lending a helping hand. I had a great time talking with him, becoming friends with Tracy Lawrence. I can't wait to see him again. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast with the one and only Tracy Lawrence again brought to you by the one and only Jack Daniels Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We truly appreciate everything that Jack Daniels does for all of our brands and what they believe in, the culture, everybody that makes it every drop in that little town of Lynchburg. 170 countries sells Jack Daniels, and every drop is made in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Thank you, Jack Daniels, again. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. And also, today's podcast is brought to you by the one and only meat meet your maker check this stuff out guys we love butchering we love processing we love hunting and fishing and grilling and gardening it doesn't matter if you have raise your own beef or your own steers your own pigs your own pork your own lamb your own chickens everything they do from their grinders to their mixers to their their dehydrators to their vacuum sealers to their saws to everything that meat has is unbelievable product. We take pride in taking it off the shelf and using it to, whether it's snow geese or deer or turkeys or fish, whatever it is, they have a process that they've put in place that you can make sure your wild game is served properly each and every time. And then when we clean it and put it back up on the shelves, I'm giddy to get it back down and do it all again. Meet, meet your maker. Their product is second to none. Thank you for the partnership. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Today's guest again is Tracy Lawrence. Thank you, Tracy. You the man. I cannot wait for y'all to hear our conversation brought to you by the one and only Jack Daniels and Meet Your Maker. I'm Chad Belding. Hope y'all enjoy. I've been for a long time. Been for a long time. Well, that makes me feel old. I've been out here a long time. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you're old. I mean, I know you're in your young 50s, but you you were on a, a different level of vocal vocal style and musicianship in my opinion for a long long time like i remember when alibis came out i mean you know back in the the late 80s early 90s uh 91 probably 92 i was in high school and that's all we listened to was tracy lawrence i saw you many many times in reno lake tahoe probably seven eight times in at concert out west here that's awesome man i tell you the 90s were a great time we had so much fun back then Back before cell phones and social media, when uh, uh, you can get away with a lot more. <laughs> what what do you what do you attribute now? Do you do you think that your it was mainly your vocals that got you all the attention, the voice? Because there's nothing like the Tracy Lawrence voice back in the day. I know you were a great songwriter. I know you picked great songs, but it had to be the voice, in my opinion, because there's never there there'll never be another voice like that. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I grew up really 
when I say emulating people and, and, and learning to sing like other people, I would break it down to the point that, you know, if I was, if I was singing a George Strait song or working on a cover tune, I mean, even before I started playing with a band, and I would get it down to the exact how many times the vibrato would quiver if it was a three-part vibrato. I mean, where he took a breath. I mean, I, I was that I would dissect everything down to that that minute of a detail. I mean, and, and you know, when I when I came to Nashville and I cut those first couple of records, I mean, I all those influences that I had, the Randy Travises and the Merle Haggards and the the George Strait's and the George Jones and and Keith Whitley and you know all that stuff. All those things were a big part of, of what made my voice what it was. And and I didn't at, at that age, I was only 23 when I cut that first record. I didn't really know what to do with all of it yet. And James Stroud taught me how to be more tasteful and use things a little more clever with the way that I did vocals on a record and, and just how I approached delivering a song with a fresh vocal on it from, you know, just out of nowhere, not just emulating somebody, but the way you build in things through a song and make that vocal special, the little nuances of a voice that make it very unique and give it character. I think that's one of the things that we're missing in the format today. You know, the tools that we have are so good and they can make somebody sing so precise and so perfect. And we're all guilty of using it. It makes the recording process so easier. When you can take a vocal and tune it, and a lot of times I feel like we're sucking the personality and the character out of the voice. You know, you can take the vibrato away. You can take the little nuances out. And I think that's why so many people sound the same now, more so than they did back in the 90s. I think there was more personality. You know, when you look at a Mark Chestnut and a Joe Dippy and a Tracy Lawrence and a Clint Black and Alan Jackson and Travis Tritt, none of those things overlapped. I mean, none of us were, we didn't sound like each other. We all had our own personality. Even the employees and the Colin Ray, and John Michael Montgomery, everybody kind of had their own place that they fit. You know, I don't, I don't think any of us really sounded alike. And I think we all enjoyed hearing each other's music. It was just a different time. Do you, do you think that, the times have changed so much, and I, and I and I and I've always asked myself this: I don't think there's any way in hell that a Waylon song would be on the radio today. But the songs that you guys—you just named artists that are uh, that are that have a legacy and that are iconic, in my opinion. Everybody you just named from that era—you didn't say Dwight Yoakam, but I think Dwight Yoakam even had an own style Absolutely. that was completely different, right? Without um, a doubt. But what I don't understand, Tracy Lawrence, is like with how good of a country singer you are. And I know that things change. An athlete like George Brett, one of my favorite baseball players, has to retire because he gets to the point in his career to where he can't keep up with the 20-year-olds anymore. But you can keep up with the 20-year-olds that are singing in Nashville on 16th and 17th <laughs> Avenue these days. I don't think it's the same when people say, country music's going to do what country music's going to do, and it transitions from the outlaws had their time and the rat or the hat pack had their time. And, you know, I don't understand why a Tracy Lawrence shouldn't have 10 number ones every two years still with your voice and the way that you attract people with the culture that you that you promote in the country music industry. That's I, I know it's a weird question. It's hard for you to answer. But why in the heck can't you and Chestnut and Tritt have top 10 singles anymore? Well, here, here's one of the major reasons. Um, the last number one record that I had was on my own independent label, Lawrence Music Group. And that was Find Out Who Your Friends Are, and that was back in 2007. Uh, 
to hire an outsourced promotion staff at that particular time. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you the inside track. If you're on a major label, the objective of that major label is to have several different artists on that roster. And that way you share the expense of a promotion staff. And when I say promotion staff, they are all in-house and they got a national promotion director. He could be making a quarter million dollars a year. You got four to five regionals all making $150,000 a year plus. Plus you got all the expenses of travel, going to the radio stations and winding them down and all the things that go along with that. As an independent artist with just one me on a label, I had to hire an outsourced promotion staff. So it was an independent promotion team for to get friends to number one. I spent a little over a quarter of a million dollars out of my pocket to get that number one record a few years ago i talked to john rich john rich was just starting to work his own independent label and he had released a song called california that they had wrote with mcgraw mcgraw had it on an album i thought it was a great record they spent over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on a single and barely on the top 20. so you're playing in a, in a pond that is that is really difficult to compete in uh financially and without the record sales to justify those kind of expenses, I mean, streaming doesn't pay anywhere near what album sales used to pay. So we don't have the revenue stream that we used to have to justify that. So we're kind of stuck in a situation where that's just not available to us as an independent artist. If I went back and tried to sign a label deal again, where, where it used to be, they would take control composition. They'd take a piece of my publishing, but they, they didn't take any of my touring or my merchandise or any of that stuff. Now, if I sign a new label deal today, they're going to take 33% of everything I have across the board. So you take 33% of that to touring your merchandise, you get 15% to management, you get 10% to your booking agent. Look where you're at. It's, it's, not, it's not a world I want to get back into makes total sense as far as the revenue and all of the sharing that goes down with you in the position that you're at now and you have this library and this catalog that you could literally you know you go to a tracy lawrence song you're going to end up leaving a little pissed off because you might not hear the hit that you went in there expecting to hit because you ain't got time or to hear because you don't have time to play them all the songs that you've put out over the last two two and a half three decades when you say that you you know that the the the, the streaming is there now. People can hear the music with ease now. It's not the same as going into a Tower Records back in the day and getting an album and reading the cliff notes. Things have changed with how we get our music and our content. Let me ask you this, Tracy Lawrence. You're getting ready to go back out on the road with your good friend Jason Aldean. You still have the respect of these guys in Nashville that are drawing these audiences on a stadium tour or whatever it is. You still have the ability to draw audiences. Do you personally see people that are, let's say, maybe young 30s, but mainly in their 20s that recognize your music that might not necessarily grew up on it like I did, but maybe they have a dad that's my age that still plays Tracy Lawrence and Chestnut and Travis Tritt. Do you see them catching on when you start into alibis or time marches on? Do they automatically know your stuff, the younger generation? They do, and not only that, the the last couple of years as, as we've started releasing new music just through social media, uh, you know, we dropped, did a lot of lyric videos last year. We did a lot of things through, through Spotify and getting good placement through the streaming platforms and everything, but we didn't work radio at all. Uh, I see people out there singing those things that we put out on, on social media platforms and did lyric videos too. I see those teenage kids singing the words of those songs now. So they're, they're getting exposed to the hardest thing is making people aware of what's there. If they're not already a fan and they're not already following you, how do you make them aware? There's so much music out there. There's so much stuff out there in the marketplace. It's just so easy to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, but somehow they seem to find it. I, you know, I, I see my audience continuing to grow. 
you, when you see that, that, that word grow, you use that word grow, and I love hearing that. Talk to me a little bit about your place in Nashville now. Um, you're, you came to Nashville in the early 90s, late 80s. You were born in Texas, raised in Arkansas, which I want to get to Arkansas in a second. But how, how do you describe Nashville today? Because I started going to Nashville in 2008. So you were there way longer than I was ever, uh, part, you know, part of the city. Not part of it, but in the city. Um, how do you describe it today, Tracy Lawrence, compared to when you got there? Because you just used the word grow. Is it hard to imagine what it's become? Because I can't, like, when you go to the Broadway now or to Midtown, it's absolutely crazy no matter what time of year or what day of the week it is. It is. You know, um, I've been out with Brad Paisley the last few, last few weeks, and we, we were discussing this about how music row the charm that we lost with music row i mean those three streets that we call music row used to be like a little town in south in the middle of a big city and and we were like this little contained thing where all your publishing houses were and the record labels and you know you, the charts would come on money and we'd meet at certain bars and everybody was hanging out and we all kind of knew where each other's place was i mean there was a lot of co-mingling and coexisting. now everything is so it's it's so over the top and so corporate you know, you go down on Lower Broad, and it's it's like Las Vegas now. It's it's a little bit overwhelming, and and I think in a lot of ways, I'm I love the way that our city has grown. I think Nashville is a world class city now, but we're sharing we're sharing a lot more space with with the Predators and the Titans and the Nashville Sounds. We got a soccer team coming in, a brand new soccer stadium coming in. We're we're sharing time. We we have all these other things to offer people. We've got so many great hotels and five-star restaurants and world-class chefs now that you have this amazing amount of food options that are there available for you. We've got a world-class theater in TPAC, you know, um, the Frist Center where they just had Van Gogh in. I mean, you've got all those kind of things that make Nashville an amazing city. But I feel like the music industry has kind of got lost in all of it. I, I don't think I don't think it's 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 lost that special thing that made the music music road what it was and i missed that part of it you say that you see your audience continue to grow and you miss that part of music row and that city within the city do and i and i and i don't know if you can answer this politically correct and 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 who knows has nashville forgotten about the legacies of acts like you as far as is it all about that limelight and that Vegas feel now, or is there still that respect for that air of music that I feel is the most influential air of country music? When you were coming up, you guys made country music popular. Now I'm not saying that the early eighties and the guy in the, in the outlaws and stuff weren't doing their thing, but there's something to be said with what you said with you and Chestnut and Tritt. And we can go on with Joe Diffie. Rest in peace, Mr. Joe Diffie. I saw you in concert with Joe Diffie. Um, Daryl Singletary was a little bit after that, but what a voice. Your guys is, you guys were iconic. Have you been forgotten a little bit by Music City USA with their new direction? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really like to look at it that way, you know. Uh, let me put this in perspective. I, I don't want to be one of those guys that's bitter about it. And and we all have the potential to be. When you spend 20 years on the charts and all of a sudden radio doesn't play anymore, it's a little frustrating. you got to readjust how you look at the world. But let's go back and let's let's look at the early 90s. And, and I saw the same thing happen back then. 
You know, when the early 90s kicked off, that young country movement, everybody hits. You know, you had the class of 89, which was, you know, uh, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, Vince Gill, Travis Tritt, uh, Mark Chestnut, uh, Clint Black. There was that whole little group right there. That was pretty much the catalyst that kicked everything off. As we got into the, the 90s, and you had this whole wave. You had Brooks and Dunn and me and Pam Tillis and all that stuff started going. And you had all these radio stations flipping the format to Young Country. All of a sudden, Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and all these guys that had priority placement, they were the icons. All of a sudden, radio wouldn't touch them anymore. And they were pissed at us. They didn't like us very much. You know, the only one was that embraced the culture and, and had another hit and another he brought all of these young kids in together. He cut, I don't need no rocking chair. Who's going to fill their shoes? And he made us part of that. And he had a whole nother career that was bigger than the one that he had before. So I think a lot of it is the way that you look at it and realizing that there's still a place for all of us. But I think your attitude and the way you look at it dictates how you fit into the system today. And I feel like I'm just as big a part of it now. But, I, but I'm building relationships with younger artists because I think it's important. Uh, I want I want to have relationships with these young guys and girls like Lainey Wilson. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying being able to tour with them. The music industry's changed, and 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 my time on the radio is done. But that don't mean I can't be supportive and be engaged in the industry that's going on around me now. I still feel like I'm just a big part of it as I've ever been. See, and that's so awesome and refreshing to hear that somebody that could very easily be bitter looks at it in a way to where you can become an influence, like you are, and because Absolutely. you are. Because you are such a country music icon and hero to so many, not just fans, but upcoming acts that literally would do anything to be in a room or a studio with you to hear that voice and hear your knowledge on not just the business, but how to put a song together and how to sing a song because it is an art. Um, do you feel Do you feel that when, when you start to talk about these younger artists, are you a fan because you've already made reference that a lot of them, that there might be this ideology that there's a lot of artists that sound the same that are on the radio today. Are you a fan of 2022 country music? You know, I don't listen to the radio enough to know exactly what that means. Um, you know, I was, uh, we we down in Florida with Mitchell Tenpenny the other night and and, and I love Mitchell to death. We've become friends, but I really I went out and watched the show on the stage. I didn't realize what a good guitar player he was. You know, they're basically a little four-piece rock band. They're, they're out there. That's a whole different deal. And I dig what they do. It's not my sound, but I dig what they do, and they do a great job. You know, uh, I know Morgan Wallen's doing great. I know there's some traditional country elements that are coming back, which gives me a lot of hope that traditionalism is still alive, and I think there's some really good singers coming along. But I really don't listen to all the other things. I'm into my podcast. I'm into what's going on in the world. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a lot of YouTube. I mean, I'm, I'm doing other things with my life now. I'm into more politics and really more concerned about what's happening in society these days. What, what, what do you look for in a hobby right now, Tracy Lawrence? Are you I know you're into golf. I know that you have charity work that you do. Are you are you are, are you venturing out and getting uh, spending quality time, you know, as far as your family goes to where you don't have to be tied down to Nashville and the music business as much? Do you enjoy being out and getting away from it as much as you ever have? You know, I love being on the road. Uh, I'm trying to spend more time with my family. We're, we're actually leaving uh, this weekend and uh, heading over to Italy for two and a half weeks with my wife and kids. It'll be our first time over there. I've got one show in Switzerland on the 25th, and the rest of it we're going to work around. 
So we've uh, we've had an Italian teacher coming to the house teaching us Italian, which I haven't been very good at. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm trying to do more things. Uh, I've got a real estate development partner now that have a 200 acres here close to where I live that we're getting ready to break ground on. The architecture start getting ready to lay the grid on the property now. So. I'm doing that. I, I've got a radio show. I'm in 150 something markets that I that I take called Honky Tonk, and I've been doing that for eight years. And I'm in the process of starting a new podcast to talk to folks like this uh, and, and and more more of the younger artists and kind of hear what makes them tick and where they're coming from too. So I've got my fingers in a lot of things right now. Where where do you when you get back from Italy? And I asked you a question. If I am your booking agent, can you give me a layout? of where you would want to be? Cause I'd go see anywhere, but I often wonder like, where do you like to, 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 you know, put that band on that stage and hit those iconic notes and those songs that you sang? Is it Billy Bob's? Do you still love being in the smaller room? Do you want to be in an amphitheater? How do you see it? Like if you could, if you could be your own booking agent right now and plot a tour, when you get back from Italy, give me an idea and the listener idea, Tracy Lawrence of, where you like to play because like where where would you choose will you sing anywhere i will you know and i like the variety of it you know we play a lot of big casinos depending on the time of the year you know uh fair and festival season in the summer when it gets hot we're typically out doing uh you know big festivals like country thunder and and country jam and all those things we we've pretty we've got priority slots in a lot of those uh, I've been out with Brad Paisley and, and amphitheaters this summer, you know, 10 to 14,000 people, which is absolutely awesome. Clay Walker and I have done a lot of shows together where we're in, you know, some outside venues, some amphitheaters, and we've drawn five, 6,000 people. So we're, we're doing a little bit of everything out here, you know. Uh, my hottest markets have always been the South. Texas has always been a massive state for me. Uh, uh, New Mexico, Arizona. Uh, uh, we used to be stronger in California until it went a little bit more toward the liberal side, you know, but we're, I'm getting ready to do a run out there with Paisley in August. The toughest spot that I find for me to work, and it always has been a little bit tougher for Haddock's is up in the Northeast, you know, New York State, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maine, all up in that area. But, but we do okay there. It's just not my hottest market. You get me down in the South, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, all through there. Those, that, that's where my bread and butter is. Those are my people. When, when you hear the news, and if you have heard the news this week of, I assume your friend Toby Keith. That, Absolutely. That when you hear the news that he announces this week, how does it personally affect you, Tracy Lawrence, when you look back at those days of, I mean, you were in the mix, man. You were in Nashville, Tennessee in the most important time, in my opinion, in country music history. You were friends with guys that have gone on to create catalogs along with yourself that will never be forgotten. And that's one of my biggest things is I often question if a lot of the catalogs will have a legacy that are being put out in Nashville today. That's a big question to me. Like, I don't know if somebody's going to sit down 30 years from now and listen to a lot of the catalogs that are coming out of there now. Some of them maybe, but yours is going to be listened to for the next centuries. Well, how does it affect you personally when you see somebody like him that has that catalog has that charisma, had that influence. And then he's a, he's a little tiny bit older than you. And he's going through that when you know what you guys went through together back in the day. Does it hit you harder? It does. And Toby and I were tight. I mean, we did a lot of stuff together. We toured together a lot. You know, we were in the same circle. I mean, Toby and I, we, we partied pretty hard together back in the day. You know, and, and you know, look at 
T-Roy, T-Roy's passing hit me really hard, man. That, that was a rough one for me. Joe Diffie passing hit me really hard because I talked to him just a few days before he went in the hospital. You know, so, you know, it seems like we get, as we get older, we're just dealing with more of it. Mark Chestnut actually called me yesterday and, and we were talking about Joe, you know, just how sudden things can happen. You, there are, you just, you know, it, it's hard. I, I don't know any other way to say it, you know, and the older we get, the more of it we see. And all of our legends are just about gone. It absolutely amazes me, you know, that, that Willie Nelson is 90 years old and he's still, he's going on another tour this year, you know, and I, I played Charlie Daniels Memorial. I talked to Charlie Pride uh, the week that he was at CMA, at the CMAs, you know, before he caught COVID, before he passed away. This, all of it's been really hard, you know, with the last few years of just, we've seen a lot of, a lot of people that we care about that have moved on to the other side. And I, and I hope that Toby's going to be healthy. I hope he's going to get over this. He's a strong cat. He's a strong-willed man, very, very determined. And I'm sure that he's doing everything in his power and, and doing everything the doctors tell him to do and looking at every option there is out there to get past this. I, I, Toby's a stout guy. I agree 100%. And when you start talking like that, I hear something in your voice that that you have a, a huge compassionate side of you. Obviously, you have kids. You're a family man. What what different emotions are your most important to write a song or to sing a song? Tracy Lawrence, you froze up on me a little bit. Can you hear me okay, Trace? Yeah, I got you. You there? There you are. You there? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you heard me, but what, what emotions gotcha. do you, have you played off all of your emotions in your career? Because you have a great career, but every artist goes through ups and downs. Do you write songs when you're, it's in dark times? as well as high times, do you play off all of your emotions as an artist? I do. Um, and, and I seem to gravitate toward more of the darker experiences. You know, uh, I, I wrote some stuff last year when we put those three albums out that, 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 you know, it will never achieve the commercial success of the things that I had in the nineties, but there's some stuff that I wrote last year from some personal situations with family. I wrote a song called struggle, struggle that came from some direct experiences. I mean, I've changed the names and the, and the situations, but it was drawn from personal experiences, just about things that we're dealing with in our family, about mental illness and things that are going on on the peripheral people that I'm related to. Uh, those, those are the real things that I think are, are what made country music what it was. The, the real life experiences and the struggles and the, and the overcoming obstacles that that make our format the most special format i think there is in existence i mean that that's country music to me i i couldn't say it any better and i think that what you named your newest project is amazing like i love the name hindsight 2020 and yeah to 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 to, to come out in the ride around the year 2020 when our whole world changed and then to hear these songs so much genius work in this so congratulations on this project Struggle, Struggle is a great song. I absolutely love Whole Lot of Me. I don't know how many times you hear that, but what a great song. Um, hindsight, though, Tracy Lawrence. Are there, in such an iconic career, when you look back on it, was there a lot of things that could have been done different professionally? And I don't know. I'm just saying, like, is did you follow the track or did you get wrapped up in this business to where did you get used a little bit? Did you come out like a, a puppet in some instances that where you you really don't want to ever go back there again, as you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation? 
You know, I, uh, I I did get stung by some people that were close to me, managers and some things that stole money from me early on, and that that stung pretty hard. But my, my biggest issues were women. <laughs> you know, I I I I I made some poor choices along the way, and let let my I was thinking with the wrong head a couple of times. <laughs> Oh, but, you know, but you know, you live and you learn and you move on. I've been married to my wonderful wife for 23 years now. We have two beautiful daughters and, and uh, you know, sometimes three, third time the charm. <laughs> when, you, when you can talk about yourself so openly like that, that you did make mistakes, and I did too. I'm very open about it, of, of my first marriage. Do you have a, uh, how much of a critic are you of other people and the way they live their lives. Do you see yourself judging? Or as you mature into life, you're five years older than, well, you're 54, I'm 47. Do you, I see myself maturing to where I'm a little bit more lenient of things and where I don't, I don't judge as easy as I once did. And I find myself being able to have a lot more open dialogue and getting to know somebody for who they are before I pass that. Do, do you find that your career has been different levels of maturity to where now you look at it as like, hey, I've learned all of this along the way and I'm applying it now. There are a lot of people that never actually slow down to start applying what they've learned through all of these trials and tribulations, if that question makes sense. It does. And I, I, I really have, I mean, my, I've acquired patience in the last few years that I never had. Well, kids will do that to you. Uh, my, my, my children have tested me a little bit along the way. But, you know, you do grow. And I, I don't I don't know if I've ever really been a terribly judgmental person toward people. Uh, you know, I even tell my kids when we travel, you know, uh, don't expect when we go abroad and go to Australia and we go to these places, don't uh, don't bring your your American ideology with them. I mean, people of different cultures, different food. And when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Try to embrace the culture and the people and and don't bring that American ideology with you when you travel I, that I'm, I'm as put off by it as I think people in other countries are, uh, you know, and, uh, but we're in a society these days where, you know, so much gender identity stuff is going on. We're, we're exposed to so many things. There's a lot of confusion in the world, you know, I, I, you know, when it comes to the LGBT community, uh, you know, I, I, I believe a lot of people are born with what they are to judge people what they are. I don't, I don't really care what anybody does. I don't particularly like things being forced on me that are not part of my personality or my character, but I don't really care what anybody does. Man, as long as you're a good person, you're a contributing member of society, I really don't care. I love it. And do you, do you feel like as you move on into this point in your career, where, do you, where could you tell a fan like me of where we will see, be in the next four or five years, Tracy Lawrence in this country music world, is streaming going to continue to be the big one to where you can get a record deal off of a social media platform like TikTok? Are we going to continue this? Or and, and where my question is going is going to make sense, I promise. Or do you see us going back a little bit and pumping the brakes and getting back to the old school a little bit, going back to what it meant to be in honky tonks and have to cut your teeth coming up that way and being ha having to be able to sing. There, there's well, a big question around that in my mind is, can it go back and evolve backwards a little bit? Even though you say time marches on, Tracy Lawrence, can we go back a little bit and do things the old school way and get back to doing it that, you know, in that form and fashion? Well, let, let me ask you a question, Chad. 
do you think do you think there's going to come a point when when people will say you know i've had enough of the cell phone and the social media and the and the cancel culture and the judgment i mean it's if people can get to the they, they start standing up and disconnecting from a lot of that negativity, I think. Uh, but I think there are things in play that that have have taken over our younger younger generation, and and I don't I don't know what it's going to take to get past that. I, I don't I don't know if we'll ever get back to the place where 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 music wise, just for this particular instance, if when I was a kid, for example, when you know, uh, 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 Keith Whitley's second album came out. I was so anxious to get that record that I couldn't wait to get to Hastings in the mall. But it was in that situation. I mean, because I was excited about that. I had anticipated it. I was anxiously waiting for it. I wanted to work up those new songs. I wanted to kind of get in that place. Kids nowadays don't anticipate or wait for anything because everything's in the palm of their hand. There's so many distractions and so many things at their disposal. You know, somebody can go two or three years without putting an album out. And, and I don't think anybody really even notices that they hadn't put any new music out. I mean, you just move on to the next thing. Something else fills the void. So I don't know if, it's, if we're capable as a society of getting back to that place or not. I, I just don't know. If you could pick up your phone tomorrow morning, Tracy Lawrence, and never have to see or utilize social media again, would you vote yes for that of never again? Or are you of the state of mind of like, look, we can't be ignorant to this. This is the new school. Do you enjoy it? Do you think it has its place? Because me, I'm 47 and I wish I'd never had a touch. I don't do a lot of things on their personal anyway. I understand the marketing behind it, but man, I, I just it's just too much. It is, and I, and I don't I don't fall prey to it. I've got a marketing team that handles all that stuff for me. I get on YouTube. The rest of it, man, if they need comments from me or stuff, I send it in. I like I like having conversations. I like what we're doing right now. I enjoy this part of it. But as far as posting things and searching for likes and doing all that kind of stuff, man, I'm just I'm not caught up in all that. I never have been. Uh, I can I can put it down and be happy to never look at it again, without a doubt. If you had one story that you could post, though, like if you were looking for those likes, okay, what would it be your oh shit moment in Nashville, Tracy Lawrence? I got to know something that back when you got there from Arkansas where you went, oh my gosh, that really just happened to me? Oh, you got to be kidding. I had Travis Tritt on here one time and he was talking about some Waylon stories and I was like, man, I just would love to be in the room with Waylon Jennings one time just to hear him call me Haas, maybe. Just call me Haas, please, just one time before you leave today, Waylon. But did you have one of those moments to where you couldn't help but post it if Instagram was a thing back then? Oh, man, it was probably in 1997. Uh, Burt Reynolds was doing like seven or eight episodes of it. So I got invited to do one of these things. And the premise of it was it was Bert and three or four guests. So check this out, who I wound up on the show with. It was Bert Reynolds, Jerry Reed, Waylon Jennings, Joe Dippie, and myself wow. sitting around the table. And I got to listen to Bert and Jerry talk about those old stories. I sang Tom Arthur's own and I watched Waylon Jennings' mouth drop when I hit some of those low notes. And when he heard me sing, he just literally sat there and went, wow. I mean, I, I got to have that interaction with him. You know, and, and so those were some cool moments. I mean, I, I got to spend a lot of quality time with George Jones, man. I, I mean, I got to hang out on a bus with him for many, many, many times. And he was, he was like a sweet old grandpa to me. I'd go have dinner at restaurants with the family and things. 
there were some things like that that were very special for me that I will never forget. You know, you can't get those things back. You got to sit at a table with Jerry Reed, Waylon, Burt Reynolds, Joe Diffie. Yep. Um, is is Jerry Reed one of the most underrated acts? I mean, my generation knows Jerry Reed is like, you know, eastbound and down. And then you had him in some Adam Sandler movies and some acting gigs. Is tell my audience, please, Tracy Lawrence, of how special of a talent he was on the guitar and in the in the music industry. Jerry Jerry Reed to me was, I would say, almost as influential as Chet Atkins with him and I think Chad had it from Jerry. Jerry was such a phenomenal musician uh, that I think he was almost in a level by itself. I mean, a lot of those old songs like not just Eastbound and Down, but but uh, Amos Moses and uh, She Got the Gold Mine. I mean, there was a whole list of things that he did that were just, that his ability to sing and, and the way that he played a guitar will something, be something that I love. The only thing bad about the time that I got to sit down with him, Jerry's arthritis was so bad, he hadn't been able to pick up a guitar in a couple of years, so he couldn't even play at that point. I mean, he had really? already lost all of his dexterity, so he, he had already lost all that. But I wish I would have been in a situation where I could sit down and, and watch Jerry Reed play right in front of me, man. That would have been awesome. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine being at a campfire with the, the, the oh way that he gosh. would play? So explain to me a little bit more, Tracy Lawrence, what you think was going through Waylon's head because Waylon is a is an icon, right? Like that's freaking the voice of Dukes of Hazard. It's one of the greatest of all time. And the thing about Waylon Jennings is that you got to do a deep dive into his catalog to know who he truly was because his hits were uh, they're great. Don't get me wrong, but just like your catalog. When you look through Paint Me a Birmingham, find out who your friends are, Alibi, Sticks and Stones. If the World Had a Front Porch is one of the greatest country songs of all time. Texas Tornado. I listen to that every single day in the early Texas Tornado. I mean, I could, I love, I see it now. If I Don't Make It Back, Stars Over Texas, Is That a Tear? As Any Fool Can See, Can't Break It to My Heart, Today's Lonely Fool, Better Man, Better off if the good die young. How a cowgirls. I mean, I'm just halfway through the freaking list, Tracy Lawrence. And now Waylon Jennings is sitting there looking at you like, holy, you know, SHIT, holy smokes, listen to this cat. That's got to be the coolest feeling in the world. And I'm seriously, you have a library that is freaking iconic. And I want to make sure that's why I wanted to have you on here so bad is that I want my audience that is on a little bit of the younger side to understand what you meant to country music. And now you're telling me a story that one of my biggest heroes of all time, Waylon Jennings, jaws on the ground when you hit Time Marches On. You know what made it so cool for me is that, like I said earlier, there was a lot of those guys that were that were not happy with the young country movement because they had had such priority with radio for so long. And then all of a sudden their time was done. Just like my time with radio is done and like Ronnie done. And a lot of us, I mean, you know, all of us guys from that era, there's all, you know, McGraw still gets some airplay. Kenny still gets some airplay. But for the most part, the rest, even straight, don't get current songs played anymore. Our time on the radio is done. And and to re- be able to sit there with him and, and him look at me with respect as a vocalist was a, a very cool moment for me where I felt like I had a connection with a legend. And I felt like I had a good connection. It was a very cool thing. Do you, do you, do you think that this is uh, maybe a tough question? Can you create those type of memories anymore with where you're at in your career, with the current state of Nashville? 
I, I go to Nashville now and I'm being completely honest. It's hard for me to find that fire, that, that, that fire that I once had there at a lot of times when I was at losers back before you couldn't breathe in losers now. And, 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 and there was places I'd go, but like, I, it's almost like I've been there, done that kind of deal to where I don't want it to be that way. I want to have memories every time I'm down there, but do you find it now? It would be hard to find that experience again that you saw Jerry Reed and Waylon or the George Jones days, or do you think you can relive that on the Jason Aldean tour, the Brad Paisley tour, the things you're experiencing now? I, I think I can find that connection with my peers and building relationships with a lot of these younger guys. I do, I do believe that I can have that. Uh, and a lot of it is the way that I view it, man. I'm just a fan of music. I, I appreciate what they do. And uh, uh, I want to be respectful to their careers and what they're accomplishing. And, and, I, and I believe that I'm going to have relationships with a lot of these younger artists because I, I feel like it's up to me to put my best foot forward and go out there. And, and you know, I, I, you know I, I consider Lainey Wilson a friend now. and She's a young artist that's doing well. I was so proud for her when she had her first hit. I know that, you know, she's put a lot of years in and busted her tail to try to get where she's at. And and I respect that. I I know that she's got the sweat and the and the tears in it, and she's she's sacrificed herself. And and I, I appreciate artists like that. That I know, uh, you know, uh, even Michael Ray. You know, I, I think a lot of Michael Ray. I, I think there's just so many of these young kids that I, I I know that they have sacrificed and put their time in. You know, the recording process may not be the same. Uh, it, it's different than it used to be, but I, I still think their heart shines through with how passionate they are about what they do. It's just a whole lot of a lot of out there that's just okay. But there's some talent out there that's still good. I love how you just how you talk about. It's unreal how good you are to 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 not hold a bitter feeling about not being on the radio anymore because I'm pissed about it because I just want the music to be heard and I'm not I'm an old school guy. I want to be able to hear you in the mix with these cats. You mentioned Michael Ray. Whiskey and Rain is a fine song. Um, he, oh, yeah. he has, he has, he's a Florida guy. He's been on the podcast a few times. I've been in camp with him. I absolutely love him. It's amazing how you spot the people that I love to listen to, to a point to where that's one of the guys that should be one of the faces of country music. If there are such a thing, I know Morgan's there and Morgan is bringing some of the tradition back. I think Hardy is an unbelievable songwriter. I think there's unbelievable absolutely. talent there. Hardy's amazing talent. Um, but you, when you mention people like Laney and Michael Ray, it's a, they, they say the same thing about you guys, about how important that era of music was to who they are now. And I think that's so special that you're, you're sitting up there with all these hits in this library saying that those guys are influential to you now and that you're friends with them and that it's a good friendship and it's a good camaraderie. That's, that's a really cool deal to where some people might not be that open to being that much of an inspiration, yeah, if that makes sense. I, ju I just want to, uh, I want to, I love this business and, and not just the music side of it. I've always been passionate about the business side of it too. I was very, very knowledgeable about how radio worked, about how promotions worked. I mean, I've run a couple of labels. I've, I've kind of managed myself off and on for a long time. So I've been really hands-on throughout the years, a lot more than people realize. Uh, and, and so I, I understand the ins and outs and all of it. And and a lot and and I'm very reasonable about why things happen. And I understand that you know things change, they evolve, they move on. You know, it's a, it's a younger format these days. But 
I like people and, and I like people with like minds like me. I love creative people. I love sitting in a room with, with singer songwriters. I love crafting something from nothing. I love to see the passion that these young kids had. It reminds me of, of when I came to town. And if I can be a part of nurturing that along or lift somebody up and, and give them a positive word, then then and man, I just I'm gonna be here for a long time. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still I'm still a part of the fabric of what we call country music. And I think the music from the 90s is going to be, if it's not already, what classic rock was to my generation. What we did back then will be the music that's played for a long, long time. So I'm I'm part of it. And I and I don't want to be one of those guys that these young kids meet that that they they're so they look up to me and all of a sudden I'm some jackass that has a bad attitude toward them. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be somebody that's never hang out and have a beer with that guy. I want to be that guy. That is so freaking well I'll tell you right now, like I would love to have a beer with you because I I I I don't know if there's ever going to be a, another voice that resonated, and I know that Chestnut was there, and I know Tracy Bird was there, and I know there was just there was two voices at that time that blew the doors off of my high school and my going to college to play baseball. And when I went to UNLV in Las Vegas to play baseball in 1993, it was Tracy Lawrence and Dwight Yoakam. And every time wow. I got a ch- every time I got a chance to see you, whether it was during the NFR at Thomas and Mack Center and down on the strip during that time in my career when it was Tough Edeman and Ty Murray and Jim Sharp and the it was before the days before Tough and Ty and those guys started the PBR, but it was the PRCA NFR National Files Rodeo, and it was a huge part of who I was. And I was still listening to Jerry Jeff Walker, and I was listening to Robert Earl Keene, and I was listening to the Gentle Giant Don Williams, and I was listening to Poncho and Lefty when when Merle and Willie did it. My dad brought me up right on the right kind of music but when i was out on my own and i was choosing my own music it was freaking tracy lawrence man and that like that catalog that you have if people sit down and listen to it right now today in 2022 in june of 2022 if you want to have a great summer just put that catalog on listen to the voice listen to the lyrics listen to what genius is in country music. And I'm not kissing your ass, Tracy Lawrence, because you don't need your ass kissed, and I don't need to kiss your ass. I'm just telling you that you have a fan for life here, and if I brought in the whole crew, they would tell you what your music means to us. Thank you, I appreciate that, man. That's very kind of I feel very blessed, I really do. You should, man, because you got a huge talent, and I'm so proud to have you on here, and I hope one day we do get to share a beer at Duck Camp. I look or- forward to that. Well, will you hold on for one sec so I could end this and I'll say bye to you. Is that cool? Absolutely, my friend. That's the one and only Tracy Lawrence. I'm talking the man. Huge honor to have him on this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Tracy, before I let you go, I'm going to say bye to you off the microphone. But do you remember that sign? It still hangs in Losers. In 2008, I walked into Losers and I was standing there watching the band. My first time ever in Nashville, my first time ever in Midtown. And that was back on the sign. This life ain't for everybody. And to this day, they still have it on their T-shirts. And I and I kept it. I trademarked it way back then. And I'm like, someday I'm going to use this life ain't for everybody. And it signifies coming up in the honky tonks and moving to Nashville isn't for everybody. But I've I've tried to like bring in all these different walks of life that make up our culture and our communities because. Not just because my life ain't for you and your life ain't for me doesn't mean that we can't sit down and have an awesome conversation like we get, did today. So um, I'm hoping you you remember that, Tracy, one day that this life ain't for everybody mm-hmm. came from Nashville. I do. And uh, I think that if people will get their prejudices out of the way, I think people will find that we have a lot more in common than we disagree about. 
I think uh, finding common ground with our fellow man is an important thing to me. And I wish everybody would try to reach across the aisle and do more of it. With this cancel culture and everything that we live in, I, I think we should try better to be more. We should try harder to be better human beings toward each other and all be better off. Better man, better off. Very well said, Tracy Lawrence. That's this life ain't for everybody. I'm going to ask you this, Tracy Lawrence. I don't know if we can do it. I'm going to do it anyway if I get in trouble. I'm going to go out with with uh, if the world had a front porch, if you don't mind. I usually go off with a song called This Life. Uh, this, that it's called What You Going to Do When the Money's All Gone that was written by Drake White and Leith Loft and two good friends of mine. I know you know Drake White, but uh, I want to go off. I want to go out with If the World Had a Front Porch, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. They might give you a strike, but do it anyway. <laughs> this is Tracy Lawrence, If the World Had a Front Porch. Thank you all for this It was where I learned to play guitar. Pray I had the gift. If the world had a front porch, Back then, we still have our problems, but we'd all be friends. Treating your neighbor like he's your next again wouldn't be gone with the wind. If the world had a front porch like we did back then. Holes and pintos, I've shelled more than my share.